and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 134. I'm your host, Em, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Podcast, podcast, podcast. We're here. We're doing I need to turn you down. You're loud. You're loud. I'm loud. Come through. I'm excited about video games on this podcast. Uh, we have abandoned the year of handhelds, as we said last time. Your wrists are fucked. Still fucked. My wrists are fucked. I have a date. I have a date for my referrals to get my, um, what's that called? The thing? The nerve conduction test. Nerve conduction test. Yeah, to see if it's just carpal tunnel or something it else. Is, we... it is. I would describe that as a weird and unpleasant uh, exam. So please look forward to it. I'm very not the much. I wouldn't say it bad. hurts, but it's unpleasant. <laughs> okay, well, I'm It's gonna. I'm not looking forward to it. So, but it, it is scheduled for the 15th of September. So, okay. Uh, I will at least have an answer as to exactly how bad the situation is yeah. soon, hopefully. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know the, if they like uh, tell you the results later if they look at a thing live. I think it'll they'll tell you later, you might guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's where I am right now. I, I'm only playing um, Pokemon because I can play it one-handed almost entirely. Well, before you get into Pokemon, the PS5 is now $50 more you, basically everywhere but, the, but America. Uh, yeah, it's it's bad. It's, it's bad. so stupid. It sucks. Uh, both. I don't want to indulge in console wars much very often publicly. I do it all the time on my own because it's fun. Uh, <laughs> but both Microsoft and Nintendo going, what the fuck? No, we're not raising prices. Are you out of your mind? We want people to buy these things. It's very funny. Uh, yeah, because like it's bad. Because the two headlines in the UK about are first off ps5 is going up 30 quid you know so that sucks and the other headline is like 50 percent of gamers say they will not be playing video games because they want to save save electricity because we have a 320 percent electricity price rise god which is functionally if you're already poor a 320 percent inflation uh so over here end of the world fucking financial crisis happening and there's no prime minister to deal with it so that's all fun uh and then in the middle of that was and also the ps5 customer which is funny in the way of like first of all bad sucks don't fucking do that but also the the the, the current situation with money is like food and energy <laughs> and like monopolies that are there is volatility but then like people who like own those monopolies and price gouging and fucking ruining everything for everyone. Um, the PS5 is not an essential. It's not. It's not essential. It's not. It's not fucking gas, right? Yes. You can't price gouge on the PS5 that way. People will just stop buying the PlayStation Five. Remember all the uh, um, like discussions in uh, 2008 or like Bombcast where they were making fun of people saying, "Oh, video games are recession proof." Yes. They are incredibly not. Uh, yeah. There's too many... It's too easy to get a hold of, like, old games. Like, video games as a medium, I think, is genuinely recession-proof. But buying video games, not recession-proof. Well, it's not even the buying, right? Because, like, this is why the, the, the thing Microsoft's done, which is also evil, but it is evil in a way that is, like, working more, yes. is... Make a box people can actually buy and then put on a subscription service that people will subscribe I just mean, to. Though. Even if I was like poor, poor, like if you're at the level where you're not buying new consoles and I've been there. Um, yes. Uh, your PC or your, your, you know, you could get a, a cheap hand, like emulation handheld. You could be busy the rest of your life and spend very little money. Yeah. I mean, like uh, if this stuff in the UK gets as bad as it might, and I just like, I just fucking am done. I can't buy anything. That's there is a very real possibility that me and like 70% of the UK are about to find themselves in. Mm. Uh, 
I just won't buy new. It just new games are done, and I guess I'll play the old stuff. Yeah, hope my PC lasts as long as possible. I'm trying to buy a new PC in the next couple of months because you know that's my last chance to buy a new PC. There's, the only thing stopping you is you at this point. You could just get one. Yep, I'm probably going to do that with uh, the savings I have, and the rest of the savings are going to go to like six months of electricity. Uh, but um, that you can just emulate stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing we've always been saying. Uh, you don't have to buy a PS5 for that. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I got, like, after this news, the combination of this news and just the world in general just made me very depressed about video games as, like, a quote-unquote medium. Because <laughs> uh, I... This is a video game podcast. I like video games a lot. But uh, the way things are right now, it's just, like, you have the very expensive 4K serious art games. Um, I'm using serious art in quotes. Uh, as, like, a large section of the industry's main money makers. And then the other side is like completely free gambling traps as the other side of the main money makers. Um, and like in the middle is like actual cool things, right? And there's no, there's not nothing in video games, but it is definitely depressing of like, there's, there's these unaffordable, uh, huge boxes in the middle of a, uh, like economic disaster going on. Um, meanwhile, there's a bunch of free games that'll bleed you dry with, uh, extremely evil manipulation practices, um, and the, that's just like the bulk of things. Everything else is an exception to that because while there is numerically a lot more of those, they're not that those are the two areas where the money is made. Uh, and it's just like, damn sucks out here. I've been enjoying video games. Uh, I would like to start cause I've got 8,000 of them. Well, you were the one that brought up the PS5. Don't blame me for being negative when you brought up the PS5 price rise to my face. I brought it up to laugh at it and talk about how Sony fucked themselves over again. Once again, Sorry, I've I've I just keep staring at the fucking news having panic attacks. I can't not do this. I'm sorry. So I've been gaming. Gaming mood has not abated. In fact, it's only gotten worse. Um That's true. I in a couple days will be on the latest journal updated where I talked about some of the games I played. Uh check that out. <laughs> In a couple weeks, I will be on Novel Not New, uh, which is, by the way, not that they're moving to Scanline Media. Um, They've been on and roll mapping forever, but I'm not co-hosting and uh, they would like to pulsemize their network. And I I told them they should do this and uh, they're moving. So that'll be the first one on Scanline. I will be there to talk about Tsukihime and some other visual novels that I will not be bringing up here. (laughs) That's true. I had so many games, I had to split them up and I still have too many for abnormal mapping. I saw the uh, list. The journal updated. Uh, the journal updated is on Hypnospace Outlaw. That's a great game. Had a great time with that. Uh, please look forward to it. Anyway, <laughs> for abnormal mapping, I'm just going to go in order, and then we can talk about Pokemon. Um, I played Fate Extra. I'd been playing Fate Extra. I finished Fate Extra. Um, that wasn't this month. No, but it was after we recorded the last podcast. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, right, because of my hands and we did right. I do remember why we yes, okay. I remember this the order of events that led to the Fate Extra being I finished I think the day we recorded, but it was after okay. the podcast. Because I feel like you were playing Fate Extra six months ago. It was the twenty third of July when I finished it, so a little over a month ago. Um, okay. Yeah, damn. Um so Fate Extra is the Fate spin-off, it's a PSP RPG. Uh, it is like a side story. It's like a, it's like a sequel to fate, but also like a side story. That's not in continuity. Cause nothing in fate is really in continuity at this point. 
um, other than Fate itself and Fate Zero. And, you know, honestly, Hotoraxia might not have been caught. It depends on who you ask, I guess. I had always um, heard it wasn't, but I'm, I'm outside the Fate fandom. It kind of, I feel like FGO really fucked this up for everybody by being the main thing people used to interface through Fate. But FGO sounds terrible, and I'm increasingly convinced that it shouldn't exist. Like, not um, even for gotcha reasons, for like narrative coherency and like not free nasu reasons <laughs> uh yeah i mean actually i don't go here but i do know the two th- there are the two f- camps which are like the fate fate is fate or there's the fate geo is fate because that's the one i play all the time and yeah what do you mean not this this specific fake geo seems terrible from the outside i'm trying not to be dismissive but it's coming through in my voice <laughs> someday so i will dumb. probably watch the story and then i can have opinions about this anyway fate extra is a psp thing about everyone trapped in a school that's it, a computer simulation and uh damn it sounds like all like 10 jrpgs from the last well yeah so so it starts with 128 students who all get servants and every seven days you're pitted against like the computer assigns you uh, someone you fight and then you duel them and whoever survives goes on and whittles it down whoever wins gets the holy grail um fate stuff but as like a as and so it's every day you're in the school and you like after classes you spend time doing stuff and then you go into you can go into the dungeon every day and once you go into the dungeon the day progresses uh so persona happened and they made a fate game kind of like persona basically is what happened here yeah okay um it's really good um psp games are weird because they are they are structured around japanese commuter culture like fundamentally so you load the game up and you do a day and you like go into the dungeon and every so there's like seven weeks and every week there's a new dungeon and each dungeon has two floors and you you explore them usually like the story is like explore half of the dungeon and then something happens and it chases you out and the next day you can go in and clear the dungeon and then you do that like twice as like story events happen um but that's four days worth of seven so there's a lot of days where you're just like i guess i'll run the dungeon again and try to level up and get some items and money um which is peak psp game to me where it's like i'm just gonna run this thing again uh i've done it before it's like not very interesting but like it takes 20 minutes and then i'm done for the day um i as someone who was playing this like you know somewhere between two in-game to seven in-game days at a time because i'm playing it in bed like a normal person playing an rpg uh it got a little tedious um but it's really cool. The game's really neat. I really like the story. I think its vibes are like smart in like doing fate, but w- little twists on it. Um, the battle system is infamously like people think it's bad. I don't think it's bad. I think it's like honest, but weird. Um, yeah. In the, you the were having game, trouble with it, though, parts. So the game, so the game, it's like turn based where so you get you get into battle and you you do six actions per turn. Um and it's all in a row like a timeline and it's all rock paper scissors you do like attack you do guard and you do break and like guard will defend against attacks uh and attacks will defeat breaks and breaks will defeat guards you know just like normal weapon triangle stuff um and then you you can see what the enemy is going to do partially um and they'll and you'll see it depends on how many times you fought them you'll see between zero and all six if you fought if you've been grinding in this dungeon you'll just know the enemy pattern and it's kind of randomized so you can't just like look them up um and you just have to like and if you counter it's like hard counter like if you break someone's guard they they do they get take immense damage you do you take zero damage um but the opposite is true and if you tie sometimes you both get hurt or whatever um 
and it's 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 infamously like disliked because it's like a lot of guesswork to which I say all RPGs are like battles of attrition where you just don't have perfect. You can't perfectly guard against damage in an RPG. Um, no, but I think because it's, it's presented as rock, paper, scissors, people think that if they're not getting perfects, they're doing it wrong. Um, and that's just not the case. You're just going to take damage. It's an RPG. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, like most RPGs have like uh, rock, paper, scissors systems, but they're yeah, yeah. ones that are a little um, less. I just think uh, this obscure. one, this one, this one presents the reality of RPGs are about you minimizing damage taken but you can't prevent it entirely and can you make it through a dungeon without running out of resources to restore that damage taken um in a way that makes people uncomfortable but it's like still just an rpg it's not that weird honestly i promise uh yeah no check out so, me uh anyway it's really good i like the story i talked about the story a little bit on journal updated because molly cares about fate if you want to check that out. Uh, but I just want to talk about PSP games all being fucking weird. It's a much better game than Crisis Core in terms of like running missions. Over well, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I played Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation Code Fairy. Yes, you did. God, it's. <sighs> I've been picking at this one for a while, but um, uh, this is a story based like side game you have to buy it it's like a paid video game but it's based on uh gundam battle operation 2 which is a free-to-play game um this has a story and cutscenes. it's like 15 16 missions um about during so this is some gundam stuff we're just gonna talk about gundam we have a gundam podcast if you don't if you don't care i'm sorry briefly so this is set during the one-year war um yep. early on for the it actually goes to the entire thing because christmas happens um but it's about a small subgroup of all female pilots that Cassilia has like is like test running because once they get good they can like because the federation are all chauvinists they won't expect them they can infiltrate federation bases and like steal mobile suits is the idea and do like but we don't even get to that point because the war goes really badly but um, it's really funny that because tom and i is how he is and gundam is how he how it is uh that you can do the this mobile suit team is all all anime girls and it it actually fits and doesn't feel stupid yes <laughs> because um well the, the thing that ends up happening there. is that garen finds out about it and basically like tries to like put them on suicide missions to ruin the, the team that's exactly what he would do <laughs> yes um anyway um it's like three like the team is like three girls and one's a sniper and one's a uh like a long range like ballista one and the main girl's like a berserker um and it goes through a lot of the major events, the one-year war, as Zeon begins to lose ground and eventually has to flee the planet. Gundam stuff. Um, the game itself is just really fun. And I think the story is, like, really good about, like, a very grounded um, Gundam story. Of of all of the one-year war things we have experienced for GGP, I think I like this more than anything but War in the Pocket. Which is not saying a lot, to well, be not fair. saying much, no. You're just saying, oh, it's better than 08th Mess Team, which you are not yeah. a... Not a Famously not a fan of, fan yeah. of, which if but, you are not a GDP listener, but do f know of Gundam, that's probably a yeah. crazy opinion. I also, I also probably <laughs> like it more than Stardust Memory, which is not a one-year war thing, but has the same vibes of like, this is a Zeon story yeah. about like a losing battle. Um, it's not, it doesn't have the highs. It doesn't have, uh, you know, yeah. I, we Solomon have returned, you know, you know. but um, oh, I, I do like the characters quite a bit. Um, also doesn't have Cub and Monsha arguing about carrots. Yeah. Um, I abandoned... 80% in Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. <laughs> 80% in? I guess I did that with Elden Ring, so I, I, got I guess to, I'm surprised. I got to the, like, 
you you can get a game over like you beat the boss and you finish the game i did that and then i got to the thing where it's like you need to get some items then you when you do the boss again it unlock the final area it's not a full inverted castle it's like just one two extra areas i think and i was getting those items and then i realized i just wasn't having fun with bloodstained ritual tonight um what's lacking because by all accounts i look at it and i'm like that's i think it has too many systems for like crafting and collecting and turning in side quests and blah blah Ah. blah modern video games yeah um and i think that like it's too deliberately inscrutable about where to go to find the next items um in that there's a lot of like i have this item and i remember some places i can go but like three of them bring me up right up against a neck like the next wall that i can't succeed in um and like it's often like oh you need a key and i'm like is that key from a quest that i haven't done because i don't like the cooking system because it costs too much money and i don't want to farm gold to do cooking um it just because it's so many intellectual systems it just ends up being really frustrating i just i spend more time navigating sub menus to see if i can make potato au gratin than i do jumping and cutting guys and i'm just like i'm not here for this uh too much not even RPG, because the RPG is simple. You level up and you fight guys. Yeah. Uh, but too much, like, fiddly modern game type stuff yeah. that they add into a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I just think it's not as good as the as all the other Egovanias. Um, it's a shame. It's like, it's fine. If you've played those to death and you're, like, desperate for another one, um, it's it's totally fine. I think the boss fights are genuinely really cool. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool weapons. Um, I like all the outfit stuff. I wish it didn't require you to do all the crafting and collecting to make those happen. I wish it was just build a character um mm-hmm. just it just it reeks of like time sinks in a way that i'm i want a game that i can play eight hours and be done with just uh time. yeah i mean that's that's cause of any to me like i played um yeah. suck the moon right that's the one yeah uh and not an egovania even though it's in the style right before he came on yeah. uh, famously the other team but that was the most like there's no there's the the card stuff but there's no numbers other than the numbers just going up from levels yeah uh, there's no uh, subsystems or interacting with things to buy things to craft things. Um, yeah. Uh, then I played AI the Somnium Files. I'm going to talk about that novel not new. I just want to say I played it. I liked it. It was good. My friends have convinced me I'm not going to play the sequel because it seemed bad. If you would like to hear me talk more specifically about it, you can listen to novel not new next month. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that it? We, how many games you got left? One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, <laughs> seven, eight. <laughs> All right, we're already at twenty minutes, so um, yeah, it's fine. You got some. I, I mean, I got, I got nowhere to be. <laughs> I played Resident Evil Six to completion. Started. You and did. Finished, I'm fine. shocked you did that because this was on a list of like games. I was like, we should co-op this one day, but then we fell off doing co-op games together. Yeah. Um. Because I've I've always been very curious about Resident Evil Six as the person who's looking in at the annoying action game guys lining up with their opinions like seventy five percent. Um, not not I'm not all the way, but I'm a little bit in there. Uh, and Resident Evil Six is always the game that the, those crowds were like, yeah, this is the real stupid shit. Um, um, so it's weird. I liked the game quite a bit, but it it feels cheap. In, so there's four campaigns. There was three campaigns originally, and then they added a fourth in DLC, the Ada campaign. Um, but be, because the story is like relatively tightly wound, um, you by playing all four campaigns to see the entire story, you end up revisiting 
almost every boss fight and definitely every like major set piece at least like twice and it really hurts the game for me uh that's Um, that's frustrating yeah because in many ways resident evil 6 is like capcom trying to do like a naughty dog style game i know it's like meant to be it's probably call of duty given the era it came out in but it feels like naughty it feels like what they accomplished is closer to like last of us um to me i mean uncharted 2 is like also huge in this in this space right um it's a lot of like very scripted sequences and then some corridors and then you like defend a point or like fight some guys and then a cutscene happens the boss fights are big set pieces they're like qte and like zelda zelda boss pattern heavy um and you do you do almost every one of them twice and it's like the second time you're like i cannot believe i'm sitting doing this again every time it's just not fun to do those a second time um i wish there was like i wish there was the alternate route visual novel like you've seen this a a whole sequence before do you want to skip it (laughs) i feel like resident evil on a design document not in not in the game as as you are describing in a design document a resident evil game in which you fight different bosses multiple times from multiple perspective makes perfect sense because theoretically you would have significantly different loadouts because of the resources available to you but it sounds like they kind of it's not really a resource management survival horror game um i was it's definitely like it's just like ammo scarce is the main thing with that game um yeah it's still scarcity but it's not like because of the order i've gone through the areas i have significantly different tools because yeah uh, also the yeah also the because it's four campaigns the curve resets every six at five six hours yeah that so. can that can be a good good thing and some like yeah, yeah. i enjoy this in birth by sleep which is similar like but it, mm. that's an rpg it's not quite the same yeah um i thought the game was like i like i said i like this the story is weird because it's like it's post wesker and wesker's been the main thrust of the game and so it's a bunch of characters standing around going like well we beat all of the face like the f- name bad guys yet we're still doing this like what does that mean for us and they don't have any answers because they just live in a society um it ended up feeling very like metal gear solid 4 inspired in the way that metal gear solid 4 is about like you can beat all the liquid snakes you want it doesn't change the fact that war is going to exist and you can't actually fix that by going through some levels you can fix it by uh doing a little thing though <laughs> no in fact not that's not t- the case no i mean yeah because everyone's like everyone's like we saved the day and drevin's like you know there's just gonna be war it's just gonna be like the old war it's true i can't we cannot do the melagas yeah no but like (laughs) i I thought that stuff was really interesting um i think it's telling that after this like the writing team changes to like westerners and the games just become very different um i would like them to go back to this but i don't know if they i just don't think there's a good idea left in this story of resident evil probably yeah, I mean, seemingly looking at Resident Evil from the outside, um, somebody's only played some of the earlier games, like four, and I've played a bit of one, um, and I, it seems cool. Um, the modern stuff is so detached. I don't know, like, I don't know whether Resident Evil. I know it still has law. It's still in canon and still moving forward, so it's still doing Chris something. Chris Redfield, but... I know, is an eight. He shows up <laughs> at the end of eight. Right, Chris Redfield. He shows up at the end of seven. He's all there yeah. all throughout eight. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, and like, I, I also think fundamentally making Chris Redfield the like name in in Resident Evils is just not interesting. This is Leon S. Kennedy's game series. Thank you. I just feel strongly this in my true. Bones. <laughs> I know, but Chris Redfield, Leon Kennedy, uh, Jill, and Claire Valentine. are all yes. three. All three of them, I would consider. All four, four of them, I would four consider. Yes. And then four. 
I would consider all of them to be the Resident Evil protagonists. Yeah, but it's really just become Chris's show now with him being in those, you know, seven and eight, so. Don't consider Ethan Winters among them because. No, 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 no. <laughs> Even though I have to, I, I guess I can't speak to this. I'm literally only like subsisting on cultural osmosis, right? I have not played enough games to have a true opinion, but I do believe this. So what can you yeah. do? Um, play a little Ghost Runner. Um, oh right i played some ghost runner but like ages ago i can talk about that i can actually engage well i i did not make it through the tutorial before i deleted off my ps5 so yeah i quite enjoyed it but that was a real one of like as you can imagine uh even before this current thing that was like i cannot physically play this game on a dual sense jesus christ yeah um Um, i just i it's too i was too punishing and i just don't i'm not good at dual stick first person stuff enough for what that game demands of me I just don't think I'll ever play a game like that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kept getting shot in one of the, like, literally in one of the tutorial rooms. And I, I did it, like, 15 times. And I was like, nope, no, I'm not going to keep doing this. I don't care enough. Yeah, just got to get the routine of how to swing past the guy. Yep. Uh, I played Milk Inside a Bag of Milk Inside a Bag of Milk, which is a small indie visual novel. I'll talk about that novel not new. Um, like everyone else, it, uh in the world, I started playing Guilty Gear Strive after Evo. I have nothing to say. I just want to say I started that. <laughs> I think I'm going to be an Eno main. I don't know. We'll see. I'm still figuring it out. Um, I played through Fantasy Star 2 for you the did. Genesis. Now we're coming up on things you've done recently. Um, which is an incredible video game uh, that I like a lot. Uh, it is about uh, this young guy who has these weird dreams of like a... a lady fighting a weird evil and he's like i need to figure out what's going on he lives in like a utopia that's all overseen by a computer called mother brain you're like well that's clearly evil um it just kind of does everything for everybody and you start investigating why what like what's what's the state of the world and why why can't i leave town and when i do what's going on out there blah 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 um and you go on an rpg quest fantasy star 2 is uh fantasy star is a series takes place in like this one solar system um and this is like hundreds thousands of years after fantasy star 1 um so like it, it's like oh i recognize some of these places but the names are different blah, blah blah stuff like that it's fun um i think this game is really cool i liked it a lot it's like there's it's really like dungeon crawly but there's no boss there's like three bosses in the entire game so mostly you're going into dungeons that are mazes you should look up if you play this game you should look up maps um i apparently the game came with maps in the like pretty much the entire game had maps provided in the instruction manual originally um because they knew what kind of fucking game this was um but because of that it, there's no bosses so it's just like the slog in the very difficult dungeon and then you warp out once you've got the item you need and it, that part's great feels good um gave me it's like somewhere it sits between in the same space as like castlevania 2 which famously has no bosses um and uh dragon quest 2 which famously has really fucking hard dungeons <laughs> you're just listing really famously Bad's the wrong word, because I, I like both of those games, but like famously weird and annoying sequels that do not have the best cultural yeah. reputation. However, Fantasy Star 2 has an incredible reputation as one of the best fantasy stars. Yes, um, I really liked it. I uh, think the story's really good. In fact, I'm going to add a spoiler thing I'm going to record after this, and I'm going to drop it in here, because I would like to talk about it, and no one uh, no one cares. No one's played it, so... <laughs> I mean, um, I get, you can tell me, I guess, if you, if you want to talk about it on the podcast, you can tell me, because it is on the level of, I would love to play this, but... Um, but you're not going to. I, I would love to. I, I, I might. Know, the, I, the ending of Fantasy Star 2 is really cool, so I, I would like to talk about it. I think, you'll, I think you'll, you'll get what you need out of it without playing it. 
Sure. If you want to tell me, let's go ahead. If it's going to be a make the podcast better, let's do it. Because um... okay. All right. So spoilers for Fantasy Star Two. Um, so about two thirds of the way in, you go to the you go to a second planet because you've been stuck on this one planet. Um, and by Fantasy Star, you've been crisscrossing all three planets or whatever. Um, and you know, it turned out Mother Brain was evil. You go to another planet. You're like, oh, you turn out Mother Mother Brain's malfunction. You think Mother Brain's malfunction? You go to this other planet that's like all aliens that uh, or like creatures that are not humans they're not aliens you're you're all from this solar system um who don't trust technology and you go into a temple and inside is a cryo tube surrounded by like some like religious order and one of the characters from star one comes out of the cryo tube and he's like the second you said cryo tube i was like i know exactly where this is going um and he's like when mother brain was established i didn't trust it and all of my people are here we're like we need to wait for faded heroes to come and deal with it so you do that, you gather all the like doodads on this planet and it lets you go to Mother Brain's like control center. You go in, Mother Brain's this giant, like uh, incredible uh, holographic lady. The boss fight looks incredible. You beat Mother Brain um, and Mother Brain's like, none of you will survive without my guidance and disappears. Um, the big computer wall that Mother Brain was collapses and there's a pathway deeper into the dungeon. You walk in, and you enter this giant room that's just row after row after row of like guys in capes with like swords. And you get to, you, you like they're all like standing there watching you as you walk to the front. And at the top is the guy in charge. And he introduces himself as a leader of the Earthmen because humanity uh, fucked up their planet hundreds of years ago and traveled here and set up Mother Brain to like terraform this solar system and placate the populace so humans could overrun and take over the planets when everyone was gone. <laughs> when everyone was like placid enough to easily take them over. Um, and so th this guy standing here is like, you know, you've, you've interrupted our plan. So we have to do something. And you're literally surrounded by an army of earth men who are all ready to go. Like just the, the huge uh, like shock troop army. And your characters like are like, you're not really given a choice, but like it cuts to a cutscene of all of your characters deciding that they're going to like make their stand here. Even if like it ends like them dying, everyone does a cool pose. And as you, and then it cuts to fucking credits and you don't find out what happens. That's so cool. <laughs> yes. Okay. I see why you were good. So first of all, uh, very funny uh, in the, this sounds cool, but as you were describing this, I just kept thinking of one of the worst things we've covered on our anime podcasts. The thing this made me think of was Dallas, which is not one of the worst things we covered on our anime podcast. I was thinking of Megazone 23 Part 3, as, yeah. as you were describing it. But the way in <laughs> which, which this is like, everything's like this. Yeah, it is like Megazone. It's like definitely of this like late 80s OVA set where you're like on this utopia. And then you realize that it's all like constructed to like keep the populace down and you fight the man. But it ending on like, this was all the arm of Earth imperialism and you decide you'd rather die fighting than like live with it. Fucking good. It's so crunchy. Apparently, it's talking to Dia. Dia's like, this is a famously hated ending because it's so ambiguous and no one's seen the anime before. Um, And I started Fantasy Star 3, which is like, probably hundreds of years later and it's all like fantasy fan like i walk around a town with like a sword on my hip like all the spaceship stuff is just gone at this point though on the world map there's like a highway that's just like ruined on the world map so it's still fantasy star are you like an a, like have you got like an elf or are you a guy are you a person i'm just a guy but i did i did go three towns over and meet a cyborg she's like i'm a i've been i've been asleep for 500 years someone woke me up and he my guy's like oh, okay <laughs> Don't know what that um, means. If, yeah. 
that that's cool that's genuinely very that's like genuine as it was going i was like yeah, this all sounds fairly normal but the the way in which the specific yeah, specifically the escalation of we're doing one last stand everyone gets an anime pose and then that's it there's no like and then they died fighting or what will happen like literally just nothing door slams on that um that's, that's what, so the, the, the cool. important point is the point where they decide to fight and i'm like that's the shit that's what i'm looking for uh i mean this is the thing that like there are, there are jrpgs i've played that have done similar things yeah um final fantasy 7 has spent 25 years walking this back yeah uh, <laughs> yes but like actually this is like one of the weaknesses of the jrpg form right and yeah. it's I, I like it when it's done well but it is a limitation i guess rather than a weakness is that narratively the games require a, a boss fight at the end that it proceeds to a resolution where you beat them yeah. uh, there needs to be some personification of the antagonist and you fight them and this many games have done many interesting things to ab- abstract that to like shift what that is um i'm not saying it's like a locked space but uh as described that sounds like a very cool way to take that yeah because uh, there is a final boss but then there's like another moment that could be a final boss like a final it secret isn't. boss and it just isn't yeah. yeah yeah that's really fucking cool um, it's not like, you know, these are games where like, if you're not interested in a big dungeon crawl, I would say stay clear of fantasy star, but I'm enjoying it. Nice to wind down with before bed. Yeah. Um, I played blue reflection, second light. I talked about this on journal updated. Uh, that's a magical girl RPG. It's really good. Um, I played it on switch, which uh, runs fine, but the resolution's really low. So if you're, if you're amenable to playing on PS4, that's probably the best place to play it. Um, mm-hmm. but I did enjoy it. It's quite, quite good. Um, I played House and Fate of Morgana Requiem for Innocence. I'll talk about that in journal or uh, novel not new. <laughs> That's the sequel to Fate of Morgana. It's really You've good. You've been Fate of Morgana posting so hard that I might actually read that one one like this year is I really like it. Um I don't know if it's like your speed. I don't think you'll hate it. I just don't know if you'll like love it the way I do. I think it's really good. I mean, in the same vein that I got really into Kodelka, it sounds like a thing with horror trapping that won't scare me. And it is about Oh, it's those... not scary at all, but yeah, that's what I mean. But like, it has a th- aesthetic links to those kind of stories that you say yeah. I would love, but they're always in things that I don't watch. Yeah. Morgana is really sad, is the thing about yeah. Fader Morgana. That's what I want. I'm looking for a house with a long history of tragedy and trauma in it. Um, I'll be talking. I'm on Novel Not New next month to talk about Tsukihime, which I finished. Uh, I will look forward to many thoughts about Tsukihime. Yeah. I still, I still could not tell you if I liked. Uh, there's parts I like about Tsukihime. It's complicated. Um, and then yesterday I played Dodon Pachi, the, the cave shooter, just kind of on a whim. Um, sometimes you just, gotta do some gaming. Yeah. I was like, I've been playing a bunch of like low key, like slow stuff. I just want to like see some explosions. And I played <laughs> the entire game and it was, you know, took me like 16 credits because you just set it to free play and it's fine. It was fine. I had a good time. Yeah. That's everything. That's all the video games. <laughs> that, that was a lot of video games. I've been gaming. Um, yeah. Uh, I've played, so I've mostly been playing Pokemon, which I won't talk about too much because um, I it's talked about it. slowly infected all the other podcasts. Yes, yeah, so I talked about a bunch on The Last Voip Life, specifically like story stuff going uh, into like the politics of Pokemon in a way that sounds obnoxious, which is why it's on the $10 podcast. People I like understand. that. People like that talk. It was mostly it was about good- why Pokemon is infrastructure obsessed, and none of us came on the part where kids just fucking love dump trucks and bridges. <laughs> yes. So the the dis- w- multiple people in Discord point out, you know kids just fucking love infrastructure, right? And I was like, oh, right. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, kids would be like, oh, the Pokemon, they, they, they help 
do the trucks and the trains. Like, yeah, suddenly the kids game has all clicked in when I had that. But anyway, that's what that discussion is about. Uh, not so much here. Um, the journey continues. I'm enjoying Pokemon Y a lot. Uh, oh, I'm weird. The one we Pokemon famously y. had a very down podcast on in Abnormal Mapping episode two or three. I don't remember. Three, episode two. Episode okay. two. And I said, will Pokemon still exist in a decade? And I, to be fair, I've been roasting this, but I go back on that within half a second on in the audio. Yet yes, it lives no, it's, on it's in infamy just... as a quote. Yes, it's too funny not to. Um, so <laughs> that's that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, mostly having a great time. Um, you were kind of down on black and white too, right? I was kind of down on black too, but only because I just played Pokemon Black and it's the same game again, but not as good. Um, and not as good from the perspective of like I'm playing the main campaigns and moving on. The reason people really like Pokemon Black too is it has this massively expansive post game with a bunch of stuff in it. Um, mm. Uh, but like the main games kind of unbalanced because they give you a bunch of broken Pokemon really early um, because it's differentiating itself from black one, which is very, I guess I haven't even talked about black one on that. That's since last recording as well. Yeah. Black one. Great, great game. Probably the best Pokemon game so far uh, in terms of like RPG campaign. I feel like the way they did the gyms, the it's only new Pokemon, the specific balancing of those Pokemon and the ones you have access to at any given time. Um, just, incentivize you to build a proper team and play fucking Pokemon and not just here's my Torterra it knows Earthquake that can deal with 80% of all Pokemon yeah uh, which is kind of how it was in Platinum yeah um, and now I'm in um, Y which is the other way of like yo that game's but I'm I'm at I'm at I'm, uh, what did I? I just beat the 7th gym I'm dealing with um, the Pokemon Moonlit Butterfly that's happening because the plot of Pokemon Y is stupid um, yeah and <laughs> I think I have a level 62, oh, what's it called? A, a, age, the, the, the sword, the sword Pokemon. Oh, Aegislash. Aegislash, great Pokemon. Man, that's a, um, that is a classic guy. I love Aegislash. Not only is it a classic guy, but it has, specifically for the single player of Pokemon, maybe the most broken gimmick of, it's, you, you, you throw him, he, you know, on the field, starts in shield mode, right? Yes, just uh, a huge tank. Huge tank. While you're in, in shield mode, you can cast Sword Dance three times. Then, oh, fuck, dude. When you, then, only when you attack does he switch to his, like, um, you know, he, he goes he goes mode. from He goes from base 150 defense and special defense to base 150 attack and special attack. And that's after you've, and that's, like, before the Sword Stances. Yeah, and the Sword Dancer stays on the right one, even when the, the thing changes. Yeah. So you just, you cast the sword dance while you're in tank mode and then you, you know, cast, um, the, 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 the attack, whatever it's called. It's like, it's sword something. Um, and, uh, you kill basically everyone. It's just broken. And they also get, I mean, this is famous about that game, right? They give you a Kanto starter, you get a mega Charizard, right? And then you get a mega Lucario just given to you in the oh, campaign. Sacred sword. Is that the move you're using? Yes. 90 damage, physical fighting. Man, that's fucking wild. No, hang on. Let me check what it is. Age of Slash. It is specifically... Uh, oh, I don't I don't want Age of Slash. I, it's because it's a, it's a stone evolution, so I need to see what uh, Dublade thing. Sacred Sword. Yeah, that's uh, what I said. Oh, okay, yeah. Then, yes, I was right. <laughs> we need to do, 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 that, do all that. Um, but... Despite so that game is the the most um just the easiest game in the world when you have EXP a share on 
you have all the pokemon you have access to everything it's so you get so overpowered so easy and to like make it challenging you have to do like put restrictions on yourself this is famously the big complaint about that game i don't mm. think it's that much of a problem all the games are very easy like i said platinum i just beat with my tatari you always have to go out of your way to make pokemon happen uh, except in black one where they, they feel like they really focused on that kind of balancing and, and it was famously at the time very unpopular uh even though it's come back around right but like pokemon black was not uh a hit in its day Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all the other changes they've made are actually really good and really smart. Uh, it's the best game to catch Pokemon in. You get X, you you still get XP when you catch Pokemon. Um, it's just better to do that side of thing. I feel like it's very clear that as they've moved on to 3D, and I understand why people are mad about this, but like, uh, the the focus is on making the non-battling things more uh accessible. <laughs> Um, and not just like a RPG where you go through dungeons and grass and fight guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the the catching is more front and center. Uh, you get rewarded for it more. Um, it's much easier to just like fill out your Pokedex and do things like that. Uh, I will not be catching them all, but uh, I can see myself enjoying that uh, at the time if I didn't just bounce off it completely because I was new to Pokemon. <laughs> um, but it's been fun revisiting it because I do like vaguely remember it, but uh, it's, 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 it's cute. Um, Aside from Pokemon, though, uh, which continues, I'll probably be done with... Um... God, I might be done with Sword and Shield by next time. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damn. I know. Then I can just, you know, play Scarlet and Violet when it comes out. I didn't think you'd actually wa- get through all these by then. I'll be honest. Yeah. I, the part where, because of my wrist, these are just the easiest games to play, because you, you put the confirm button on the left trigger of the DS, and you yeah. just play with one hand. Um very nice for me uh but i i uh that's kind of why it's gone so fast because otherwise i would be bouncing between too many different things um so from that i played a game called the looker uh which is a hour-long parody of the witness yeah um, another game you like you like the witness i like the witness. i quite it's a great game. i quite like the witness uh uh and i i like the i like the looker someone who doesn't like the looker jonathan blow <laughs> Yeah, look, I like I like The Witness. I don't like Jonathan Blow, so that checks out. Jonathan Blow does not have... I don't know if you know this, if you've seen the Soldier Boy clip, Jonathan Blow does not necessarily have the best sense of humor about how people take his games. No. Uh, with affection. Um, kind of reads a lot of affection as not in, appreciating his uh, intellectual uh, pursuits. Um, but The Witness is a fun um, puzzle game that is famously kind of pretentious and annoying um, in its, like, themes. Um and the looker is a game that is making fun of the like artifice of what the witness does. Right, there are there are ridiculous puzzles that are kind of jokes, and there are audio logs that just say really stupid, fake, profound sounding stuff. They're like easy jokes, but they're funny. I think it executes the stuff well. Um, but ultimately, as the, the the joke puzzles, right, they start out with you drawing like because it, it's a start to end game. It's not quite a maze game. It's a start to end specifically is the the way the puzzles are built here, uh, even though it's very similar to the witness. Um, and, and it, they start out as like jokes, right? You 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 draw just the line from the start to the end. You draw around the line because there's a thing in the way, uh, stuff like that. Um, and then just like by virtue of the game has to sustain an hour, these jokes become actual puzzles with rules, uh, and the jokes continue. Like I think it's funny and well executed. Um, and it all builds up like the the, the you know it all builds up to a very stupid joke. Um, but ultimately ends up being a game about how the puzzles the, the witness is good because the puzzle it's fun to do puzzles even presented in this juvenile 
sneering way, it's very earnest about the fact that it enjoys solving puzzles because it's just fun. It just... It did not feel mean. It was not like dunking on The Witness, right? It was uh, ribbing it uh, and um, kind of celebrating the fact that we all like to solve a lion puzzle from, one, from now, now and then. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that. I was like, yeah, it's true. I do like to solve a lion puzzle now and then. Uh, it definitely lined up with the way that I enjoy The Witness. And I found it very funny that Jonathan Blow found this like mean <laughs> or sneering when it's absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, so, which leads us into the puzzle game that we're going to talk about today, I guess. Yeah. Is that it? I mean, I, I've completed Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. Uh, we'll talk about that on Voip Left next time. That yeah. will not affect this podcast. Thank God. I know one thing about it. I know why Xanor's bald. Not 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 like, I know what, I functionally why that's the case. I don't know why that's the thing that matters, but we'll talk about it later. Yeah, but that's not that. I guess that's pay. We've catered that Need behind content, pay. Yes. First of all, sorry if you are a free listener and one of the Kingdom Hearts takes. Go to, uh, go to Emerald Mapping, or go, patreon.com slash Emerald Mapping. Give us $10 a month. Voip Life's really good. Uh, and um, that's it where It supports that all of our shows, including this one. But yes, so aside from that, not really been. Um, well, I guess it have been a lot of games, which has all been on Pokemon. So yeah. Uh, also, you're competing that. with my biggest game month like ever. So you know it's hard sometimes. I complete. I have completed almost three Pokemon games in this amount of exactly. in that time. Exactly. I'm just saying, like, I'm. Uh, I've been gaming really like you'd normally. You'd be a very busy month. I just had like eight games. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Let's go to the music, and then we'll come back and. It's time. Our game club this month is Riven, the sequel to Mist. The uh, sequel is, to Mist, finally! This is a uh, Cyan production. This came out October 31st, 1997 for the uh, PC and Mac, I guess. Um, and uh, famous uh, Mist, of course, huge game. One of the biggest games of the CD-ROM era. Um, and it was very popular, so they put tons of money into Riven. Um, they got, they got the Aladdin producer, our production designer, Richard Vander, uh, Vend to help co-direct, um, which is probably why the levels are good <laughs> instead of a couple of walkways. Yes. Um, Jackson, would you like to briefly describe the plot of Riven? Not particularly. Uh, <laughs> well, you do it anyway. Uh, I will do my best. So at the end of Mist, if you remember last time, uh, the stranger had fallen into mist, uh, and after a bunch of shenanigans, had helped Atrus trap both of his stupid fucking sons in their prison books forever, and has linked up with him in Denis. Actually, only one of them is canonically the stupid one, the other one's the sapiosexual one. They're both very evil, though. <laughs> okay, well, they're both really annoying and evil. Yeah, um, they're dead now, uh, probably. I mean, they function... Their books, the they were trapped in books, and those books were burned, so I assume they're dead. I guess I don't know. Maybe they're just cut off and trapped, but 
I don't know. Uh, I, I don't I'm know. I'm not reading the Mist books to find out, I guess. Oh, you're not going to read the Book of Atris? Probably not. I mean, I guess if we play all these and then I still want more Mist, they're there for me. Uh, it's so funny how big Miss was. It was yeah. huge. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's all dealt with, and you remain like still. You, you have not come back home, right? You are you yeah. are still in uh, Indonesia at this point. Um, and Atris, uh, who is I remind everyone a good guy, uh, realizes instead of sending you home, would be way easier is to voluntarily ask you to trap yourself in a new book uh, and go on a suicide mission for him. Yeah. And that suicide mission is into uh, Riven, which is a book that he is constantly working on because the age is falling apart and needs to be maintained uh, because this is the age where Gen is. And Gen is his father, who is also evil just like his stupid sons. His entire family sucks. Yeah, everyone but him is evil. He's good, though. He's good, though. When he's asking you to go in, he's good. And uh, (laughs) anyway, we'll talk about... I mean this with nothing but love. This Miss story is great. Uh, you got to go in. Uh, you got to deal with Gan, and you got to free his wife Catherine, who's also in Riven. Um, but Gan is just like Atrus. He can write linking books. He can, uh, you know, manipulate ages. He can do all he the same things. He used to be able to write linking books. <laughs> well, he he has the ability. He just doesn't have the tools because he's no longer into me. Yeah. Um, but he, like, if you were to say bring a linking book in, he would just fucking take it and leave. Yeah, uh, linking so books you... are technology; they're not like a magic skill. Uh, no, but they're like a Denis technology, right? Like he yeah, has yeah, the. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's why you can't go in with just a yeah, no, uh, no. a way I to get. I just want to say out. for the people, it's not like yes. linking books. It's not like the Atrus family has a special ability; they just know how to do it. It's a technology. Yeah, it's a technology, but yes, but I, I didn't mean magic. I meant to say this is why he has to go in with yes. a trap prison book and not just with an easy escape book. That's yes. why the game has to happen in a complicated yes. way. Yes. Because uh, you can only take this prison book in because the prison book is to trap Gen in. Once Gen's in the prison book, then you must signal Atrus. You can only signal Atrus by doing something cataclysmic to the world because there is no. Because you have to go into st- the trap Gen, you have to go in without anything that Gen could use to get out, which would be the things you would otherwise use to signal age. So it has to be something that he can see just like through his monitoring of the age. Yes. Um, that is the broad scale plot. As you get in, uh, you realize that uh, in Riven, as all this chaos is going on uh, from the outside and you see like the, the, the age is falling apart, Gen has become a <laughs> imperial leader to an indigenous population. Slash God. Of, slash, God. Slash, slash God to an indigenous population in Riven uh, who also worship uh, his wife Catherine as a as the, as another god and Catherine two... Catherine is from here though yes but she left with yes. um, with Atrus and like th- the gap between her going and coming back was like taken as signs by the people of Riven yes uh, and this formed the indigenous population of Riven formed into two main factions those that are like under the thumb of Gen and those that are rebelling uh, and you must navigate both of these factions mostly completely isolated while they occasionally watch you from afar because it's a missed game this is incredibly effective uh use of like occasional fmvs of people stumbling upon you and running away yes um you eventually solve the part that's all the setup but then like you solve the, those three there are three objectives each of those objectives is technically only one puzzle you solve them you do it you get out you reunite ages with with uh catherine uh 
Or you, you don't, don't have to do that. Yeah, if, but you if, should. If you, you probably should. If, yeah, I got the actual ending, but um, yes, she might be the only sympathetic <laughs> character in all of Mist, so I, I saved her. Yes, I say I saved Catherine. Uh, Catherine and H three unite. Um, as Catherine, as, as a Riven itself is falling apart, and Catherine and Atris um escape. Uh, all of the like the other people are in the um uh Tay right, which is the uh the age that uh Catherine made to um house the uh, rebel population that's where so, the cover of the box is the cover yes. of the box famously that big orb is uh tay. uh so that's where everyone's gone um and riven can just be destroyed as riven is destroyed uh because it is like a an age that's falling apart uh, a starfisher opens up and you fall back into it uh to hopefully go home yeah big, big leap of faith that Adrius is putting uh, ve- very cool ending because it's just like you know it's the start of Mist again and nothing is truly solved and etc etc uh, d- is a kind of hilariously evil thing for uh, Adrius to consider the problem solved though uh, him, him using the blinking book to get him and his wife to safety and then just letting you fall into the starfisher is very funny to me it's so logically it's very funny and like man Atris, uh in the moment it's so cool it's such a cool way to yes. tie it all up yes um and yeah, that's that's the plot of uh, Riven as it is. Uh, there's a lot of lore and uh, like writing in journals about Gen being a fucking creep, watching Catherine in a prison, dealing with all the uh, you know the way he deals with the population and feeds them to the wogs and you know all that shit. Yes. Um, but it's a fairly simple game in the in its broad strokes with a lot of stuff going on. They yeah. went hard on the lore. If you if you aren't going to play Riven, um, I would like to ask you to watch a video that I'm going to link uh, that Jackson pointed me to. Uh, it's by this guy named Jordan Rogers, um, who seemingly is just like just made a, ran- a couple random videos of him playing through the Mist series, um, and it is a it's an hour long where he plays through all of Riven and explains the like puzzle logic and the world building as he goes through, and he like has a camera on his notes and like here's the things that it's worth noting down and how you piece them together to get all the reveals or whatever um if you haven't played the game and you don't intend to i'd recommend watching that because you get to see all the genuinely breathtakingly cool locations of riven all the great cutscenes, and uh see what the puzzles are we're gonna we're gonna assume that you know riven when we talk about it yeah uh this is i i'm, I'm not exaggerating this is like one of the best let's i've seen yeah um, in terms of like a I guess it's two like, hours. I watched it at two times speed, so it took me an hour. Yes, it took me. Yes, because I, I played the game, then I watched this, and it was like a. It was very similar to like if you know if you've if you've listened to this podcast, maybe more familiar with the Chip Cheese and MGS Five Let's Play, which is a million hours long because that game's longer. Yeah, uh, but a similar approach of like this game's weird, uh, and you can kind of just fall through it. So we will intentionally show off it in its best light and like put its intent to the surface yeah you you Um, told me about this yesterday and i was watching it in preparation for this and there there's like whole solutions to some of the puzzles that i just didn't notice i'm like oh i like pieces together through some other ways but like it's right here it's right here it's right here yeah it's it's such a cool video because it happened to me as well um and can't recommend it enough as just background for for riven so yes uh noting that uh let's just talk about the game yeah so right off the top Atris is an enlightenment bookish guy who is who's good because he's got a hot brown wife um and his father and his sons are all evil Im- European imperialists and the the game doesn't understand what it's doing and it's the only reason it's like funny and good and not the worst thing in the world it's so funny like if this game was about 
if this game was about an atris is also evil it would yes. fall flat completely i would and hate the game it. was in the game was aware that like this whole family is european but because of the like you know european loyal like a royalty with this like magical technology they've got but only because atris met catherine is he the good guy that would also be miserable that would be worse than another like if they knew if they leaned into that it would be god awful yes instead it just kind of doesn't do any of that it doesn't do any of that and also atris is played by uh rand miller so you just can't not think about the fact that these guys just don't realize what they're doing uh i ran miller's performance i love it because first it's of all so he's not an actor no um, and uh his dad is extremely an actor they got a fucking actor ass actor to play uh yes. to play again and he's doing some fucking yeah. acting he's british uh acting all over the shop age on the other hand not british uh but i he has the amazing amazing voice of like it's not an American person trying to do a British accent, because that would be bad, but it is an American person putting on the affectations of, like, propriety that a British accent would bring while still doing an American accent. I, I assume how, like, an American would do Shakespeare, right? Like This is, this is like, the thing I always think of is, Atris is what I think of when someone says a, a DM. Yes. Well, th- <laughs> that was the other thing. I was like, this Riven to me is what I think of when I think of nerds yes <laughs> yes absolutely in a way that doesn't exist anymore it, it reminds me of my friends or my like slightly older friends who were who i like wasn't that close to but looked up to and i thought they were smarter than they were but they were still cool enough that they pulled it off yeah uh that's the vibe of riven to me yeah and for some reason it was the biggest thing in the world this thing sold more than final fantasy 7 in 97 it's yeah you know yeah, yeah. like i mean that's because mist was so popular like mist had such a long tail that riven's a huge deal and then exile is not a huge deal because riven's one of the hardest games i've ever played uh yes uh and like the the world's changed right like yeah entirely yeah, by yeah. that point um and the graphics were not enough right <laughs> i mean like mist isn't a video game on, on, a, on a cultural level it's not being sold to gamers right yeah 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 uh, and by the time that like i know it is a video game but like by the this, time is why comes, this is why your british pc gamers in the world have never let go of mist being the worst thing to happen to video games i went back and looked up because like, you know um we've talked about john walker as the the one who does this but it, it's not really him it is literally that that was that was the culture at the time right even like, gersman's like this so a little bit yeah yeah if you were around for 90s pc games and i wasn't but i saw the tail end of those people and yeah as i was like coming up through the 2000s reading stuff uh miss was like one of the big villains of video yeah. games because yeah. if you're a gamer uh yeah. miss is threatening it's 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 for mums it's yeah. for fucking it's, it's no gameplay you just click on things yes it's like what if, Farm, what if farmville had been the biggest thing and at the same time all the other games seemed to be dying because that's what was happening to a lot of stuff like see rom was taking over and all the other games seemed to not be able to make the leap um look at what happened to poor gabriel knight you know it's just been it was rough yes uh and it's also like minimalist right uh, riven yeah. is um now considered by like its own even at the time i assume but like it has a masterpiece status from like adventure game fans. I see why. <laughs> uh, it, it is a very beloved game. Yeah, but only in certain circles because both Mist and Riven are like defined by um, their minimalism. You, there is no inventory. There are no. There's no systems, right? And PC games uh, at this time, this is like the age of like System Shock, and Deus Ex is going to come out in two years. I think it's so um, funny that Riven does actually have an inventory, but it's not used for anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess you can go to the bottom of the screen yeah. and uh because there's, there's a, a brief period where you're holding on to three objects. Um but you don't really use it. You never like use items from the inventory, you just are holding on to them. Right. You just can read the journal. Yeah. Um in case you didn't it, do that when you first got it, which I did, so I didn't. I really did. I just read that. the journal. I was like, damn, yeah. you put so much lore in his journal. Um, but um, yeah, the part where where Atris is just like the smart, good, enlightened man because he's got a, a, a native wife and she's like fully Europeanized, uh, but she commands people who all now because she left the native village and learned European magic, they now revere her as like a messiah figure and they all speak like a fake Navi language. It's just fucking rough in like a very like, you just walked into a bunch of like super turbo racism. Um, but because this game's from 97, I just think it's it's like, it is interesting and goofy and uh, a thing to like look at and critique, but I'm not like over her like a pro clutching about it. It's It's like, it's gross in the way that a lot of media of the time is gross. It's just interesting. I think it's a fascinating way to construct a story. Um, and the value systems are the value systems of nerds to this day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I will take this, like they've, they've made something very racist, but they've made it very flatly, right? They're just reproducing yes. Yes. Uh, these va values. Yes. It is not here to like, the game is not right. I prefer this to the, um, contemporary of its of the time like rpgs that are just leaning into extreme um libertarianism of, of like, yes the the individual that makes the choice is the only thing you know i i like i really like planescape torment but this is just all over that genre that yeah game, we, we, <laughs> we we played planescape really loved it and then looked at the design doc that's out right, there yes and it's just the most edgelord shit in the world <laughs> The most, all other game the shit and our game will truly empower the individual to make the choices uh that is the meaning of gameplay is defining yourself and i'm like jesus christ the game wasn't this you weirdos yeah and then gesture to you know, yeah, on that level riven's so. just very quiet and mostly about uh exploring spaces and um th like the actual like Riven itself is such an interesting place because you have these these people the the, the people of Riven who live in like these like almost like uh like wasp nest kind of like elevated spaces right yes um they're all like these orbs that are on the sides of buildings like uh like cliff dwellers um because this is a very mountainous island all used to be one thing but it's slowly splitting apart because gens fucked it up um it's destabilizing um and they like you see them like they notice you from like watchtowers and signal and everyone like like you see people running away um you don't really interact like you're not like talking to people um you talk to catherine once and again twice like specifically but like they you see them in the background running away to their homes and lock the doors um but as you go through you realize that like again really early on you see like they have a whole religious like structure that is about worshiping gen where he is using his technology to observe them and uh and hold them under his thumb and like sacrifice them to instill fear and and awe in him um and it's really fucked up like what the first like big puzzle in the game like part of moving the, the actual structure after you've explored the space you're like i need to actually do something is you go into a schoolhouse where there's like a there's like a like a holographic projection scope that's just again like very like high up in this orb looking down at the kids and like saying something in their native language to them and you don't really know what it is but it's very condescending and paternalistic and then all around is like the language and a game that teaches you the numbers and the main thing you need there is to learn the number system 
Um, but the game itself is like a wooden game that replicates the way Gen sacrifices people to the weird whale creature that lives out in the waters of Riven, um, which he does regularly. And the kids just play a game about that to learn numbers. And it's fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going through this and I was just thinking like, this is all the stuff <clears throat> that uh, is uh, just bait for all those like Dark Souls lore explained videos. <laughs> yes. I just thinking that I'm going to have like Vardy be like, and then uh, even in the games they played, we see the echoes of Gen's um, control on the people. <laughs> because, because it's like only five locations and only like three of them are like robust, you know, mm-hmm. um, they just, there's so much time is spent establishing a narrative of place that isn't isn't really like mist did not do this right because it's all one land and it's about like a story of gen's been here for decades and he's been shaping the world and its people through his actions um you just see it writ everywhere and it's really fascinating yeah i mean like the objectives of this game are night and day different to Mist. It's interesting because it's so similar. It's just yeah. the sequel to Mist. It's an expanded hypercard game. Uh, it does the same thing. It tells the second half of the story. Um, on some levels, it's just very clearly more Mist. Uh, but in another way, it's like there's three puzzles in this game. Um, and it's very difficult to tell when you're making progress, where that progress is, what's happening at any time. It yeah. is completely opaque. Um, so the three puzzles specifically you need to learn the number system in order to open the golden domes yes uh because there's linking books inside each of the golden domes you need to uh learn the glyphs that glyphs that are associated with colors in the riven language um that each dome is associated with so you can and understand the maps enough that you can place uh colored markers on the maps to power the books at some point because you need to, all the books are like, you have to turn on this giant generator that sends power to all the books to let them work. Um, and that's another one. And then the third one is you need to uh, understand the rebels, um, the moiety. Uh, they have a whole like animal noise glyph system that allows you to link to Tay. Um, and you need to d- discern what those five clues are and in what order you need to hit the the there's a bunch of pillars. There's like 30 pillars of animals on them. You need to find which five animals in which order to hit to link to Tay to get the uh, Catherine's like stuff to understand the rest of the puzzles and free Catherine. Yeah. So that's like, and that's it. And that's yeah. like 10 hours of video game. Yeah. Um, um, because so it required, because to do any of those, they're all kind of linked together, but they also all require you to understand the function of the entire world and its people and the way they think, including their number system and, and color system. Yeah, which leads to the biggest puzzle of the game, which is like the fourth puzzle, I guess. The meta puzzle of figuring out that there's a fucking puzzle in this game in the first place. Because <laughs> uh, you see all these things and you start to piece together the, okay, there's these, you know, okay, I've made it to the second island. I've opened this this door. I've used a switch to open a door. I'm on a new island. Um, and I can see in this island there are rotating things that have number symbols on them. So I take screenshots and I write the symbols down on them. And then later I go, oh, wait there's sounds okay i guess the sounds that i didn't really you know so i saw the orb the orb on the second island you see like right next to the yes and come in and i hit that and i it did a thing it made a symbol and it made a sound so i wrote that down right like literally my notes start five seems really important because you just see stars everywhere like everything's a star and a pentagram or whatever um and then after that i have um i have that that symbol which is like a k and an i in like brackets 
and then I write birds, and then later I wrote frog, and then later I wrote three because I learned that was number three. But you know, um, you just go uh, down, you get all those orbs, and you associate them with sounds. And you try to figure out what those sounds are. It's like this one sounds like a whale, and then you find out it's the 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 thing. The um, what do I want? The um, the the warg. Yeah, the what? The big thing. The big, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so for, for me, um, I just, I was, I was doing my best. Like I have ended up like my first route through the game, um, in like my initial movement, right. Was, mm. uh, I get, uh, I go for the temple Island, I get in the thing. I rotate the, the beetle room a few times, go like, is this going to lead anywhere? Um, no, not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Um, I turn on some steam valves. They don't really do anything yet. <laughs> y- yeah uh go into the uh the like cross the rope bridge uh go in there go back and forth a few times sit on the chair why isn't the chair doing anything leave the chair go back and forth a few times 20 minutes in i realize if i sit on the chair there's actually a button to the left of me that can open another door oh fucking finally okay go through there go to the second island which immediately takes me to the third island um which i then like i'm exploring around i turn on a boiler uh the second island does not immediately take you to the third island you just miss the rest of the island (laughs) It isn't immediate. It's not immediately, um, but it can be very quick. If because I, I you, saw the minecart and just didn't. I was like, "Well, I'll wait until I explore the island." That looks like it takes. I didn't know the minecart was going to take me out, and then it took me out. And I was like, "I guess I'm on a new island now." And then I just explored there and uh, mm-hmm. messed about with the um, with the boiler, and I like turned the boiler off and was like, "Okay, well, what's happened now?" And then um, ended up uh, trapping myself. Like um, there was one bit where like you, you end up on another you end up on another island by going underneath in a. Oh right, yes. I went back to the jungle and was like going through the jungle island, and then I got to the lift. It didn't realize the lift go up, so I went down and then explored the down bit and ended up on another island without realizing it. And then took the um, roller coaster and was uh, doing the um, uh, the what the 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 map the map island. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the map island, and then it was the lab yeah, I'd island. Get, I'd get to the map island until after I'd kind of understood everything. Um, yeah, I couldn't couldn't get into into the. So by that point, I had basically been on all the islands and seen all the stuff, yeah. but I had like just no idea where to start or where to. Oh, yeah, and okay. I like so, looked things up and got my direction, but I definitely looked up more than I would have liked to, uh, which meant that I did not have as as much like oh fuck, this all comes together moments. Because if if you really sit with it for like eight hours and figure it out, this, this game well, is. I, there's a few things I had to look up, but this is what I uh, this is what I did mostly. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, my thing is I, I did, I went through the islands until I got to the crater Island and then I, you know, figured out the boiler just through trial and error. It's like, Oh, I raised this, lower this. Okay. That works. I can get down the the, the thing. I just, you know, go do a thing. Did that work? Go and look, Oh no, it's still fucked. Um, go fix it. Um, and then I got to the, the trap corridor where you lower the trap down. Um, and I didn't know where to progress because the, one of the rudest bits of logic in this game is that the, and I, I genuinely just think this is like bad it's not bad design but it asks you to make a a real world leap that you wouldn't necessarily make in a video game you have to you go through these two double doors into this corridor and you have to turn around and close those double doors because there's paths behind them and there's nothing in the game that signals that would be the case uh once you learn that there's like another one right after to do it again you do that because you're like oh right closed doors behind you maybe there'll be something there um and uh it's just weird and i i literally had to restart the game because i thought i got soft lock because i was like where do i go and i couldn't figure out the way back um and when I got to the same part after, and that part I had explored, this is the time that I went down and I explored all the um, jungle stuff and I had already figured out the numbers and I got all the numbers done. I figured out the logic of its rotate, like fives are rotated, uh, you know, 
90 degrees and then everything's on its side and then it rotates again it rotates two and blah 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 i figured that's about felt really smart that was my most eureka moment in the game i was like holy shit genius um and then i get to the doors again i'm like i don't fucking know <laughs> and just said look i'm like close the doors oh okay 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 good 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 <laughs> i mean there are there are any bits like that there's that and there's also there's some uh some animals uh the if you click too fast they will f- swim away. They and make the noise when they swim away. I I wrote them down, and I did, never waited for them to make the noise. I just yeah. You you don't need that to like to beat the game, right? It's not like yeah. a hard lock, but it's the situation of like there are a lot of parts where this game uses logical. Um, it's trying to use logic that is not video game logic. It's it's just trying to use logic. It's not for mm. gamers. It's not an adventure game doing because yeah, my my it's, third note here is H C cow, uh, which is what I had them as originally. Yeah. Um, but I just mean that, like, I would never have thought, oh, if I click slower, because it's, it's a hypercar game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even thought that was, like, an interaction it was tracking, right? I did, mm. didn't know what was... Th- the bounds of the possibility space were not clear to me because of the artificialness of a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just weird stuff like that because it is uh, trying to... Uh, you know, it, its puzzles are all, like, logic puzzles that you're meant to be able to solve... Um, without like internal inf- you're not like learning mechanics uh other than i guess how numbers work <laughs> so yeah that understanding is so different than mist which is specifically like you gotta light a boiler to turn a elevator to get into the age then the age has like one particular puzzle that you have to understand and that's so much more about like the locks of rooms are puzzles and not right. uh, and you have to understand the way all things are interlinked in the way that like this process happened um because like Cause once you once you've played once you've played ribbon really all you need to do is get the two randomized codes out of people's books and you can beat the game <laughs> right because like most adventure games and miss included are use keys to open doors games and like i guess ribbon is still that there are a few hard keys there that you have to yeah. use to open doors but the the amount of them is so small like yes. um and you can say that there are a few puzzles that, um, like mini puzzles that I guess, like opening the boiler, right? That is a puzzle, right? Yes. You have to uh, do a thing to open the thing, but it, it's it's far less of that. You, it's much more, and there's more than that. There's actually just so many like non-interactable screens or things yes. that just lead to information about the world. Yes. Um, like there was a right next to the submarine that you can lower. There's oh, those, there's just like, that weird like throne and some burners. Right, and you're like, what am I going to do with these? Nothing. nothing. You do nothing, nothing. with those. <laughs> I was like, I was touching all over the burners. Like, is there a secret button on these? It's not the, it's not the room. It's just not, that's not what the game is, right? Right. Um, and it, the initial hours of Riven were a lot of me, like, just desperately trying to figure out the bounds of what I was even being asked to do. Yes. Um, once I got a handle of that, because I, I looked at a few things up, I was like, okay, right, better. And then I, like, I, I did figure some things out, like, realizing, oh, the i gotta put the marbles where the domes are shit okay ah fuck which color's which uh is kind of how that one went yes um but uh like that made that that stuff all really works um and uh I, i think it's very cool if just getting to that is so uh it's so hard you just gotta realize what it's asking of you uh and it understands that like 
it could exp- it could explain it better, but the fundamentally the game would not work if it, it the Eureka moments only work because the game is so opaque. It yeah. has to be like this for it to work, which is bold to make this thing that is just unknowable. Yeah. Uh, for like a, this mass pro- like mass audience uh, product, it's it's wild. Yeah. But also like so much of that is like weird interesting lore building like when you to to look at the maps uh which are technological like topographical almost like almost like those pins and needles like those pin boards you know where you put your your hand on it and it makes like a relief map of your hand um to power that you have to go through this geothermal area which is like this incredible like sulfur pool um over like like an actual like like big furnace area that gen has built it's like thermo steam power um and the waters of ribbon have a bacteria that's like temperature sensitive so it flees it's like it's uh it's like thermophobic so it runs away from anything hot so you get up to the top and you turn on the steam vents that are shaped like the islands of mist which causes the water around it to like push upwards which is what powers the map of that area it's so cool the way that's all put together also that area is like one of the most incredible looking spaces in a video game yeah it's fantastic um because you just go through these beautiful colored pools there's all these jagged rocks and you go up this big rock pillar that just like is fractured it looks like it like had ore running through it or whatever that's all been mined out and it's all just broken and uh it's all it's really neat i uh, this is like just such a because when i when i was playing it and like feeling out the space i was like oh i'm kind of bummed you're not really hopping through ages that was like my thing about the cool thing about mist is you go to all these different places but by being a single coherent space just is able to like drill down on what that means more um mm-hmm. like there's a whole area that's like overly forested um in the jungle area and you realize that the mine cars because he's shipping the like furnace the the wood to the other island so he can make books because he's desperately trying to figure out how to replicate the book making technology without his without the resources of denis he's got to do it with all these people who don't really understand technology yeah in between making them worship him <laughs> yes and him doing his like Eth- like ethnography of them being like if they're so obsessed with number five why do they have six colors what's that about what the fuck <laughs> but i think it's so like his funny. funniest funniest obsession it's like yeah sometimes things are imperfect like that it's because everything is a five in this game and there's six colors he's like why isn't this why does this not work <laughs> um and then like you know Catherine finishing the book he burns yes um just cool stuff all around yeah uh gen is just a classic bastard uh he's so the guy they got is like a stage actor and he's just so hammy in a way that is not like it doesn't capsize the game but he just immediately is like he's the guy who really wants you to win him over or win you over to his sympathy and you know he thinks he's right and there's probably like and apparently there's a whole book that like makes him more sympathetic or whatever but like not not enough you you see this guy like oh he's evil he's like alone in this weird little like rock mushroom world and he's just wearing like a full-on coat like he's ready to go to war at all times um like this motherfucker (laughs) uh yeah like i'm sure he is sympathetic in that they have given him a backstory motivation but he's fucking evil the game never like tries to no no convince you that maybe this guy has a point because it's not really about none of it which is really refreshing none of this is about interrogating which vision of uh age making is the like ideological right one it's it yeah. doesn't, it's kind of uninterested in that which is which is nice uh because i feel like that's the obvious way for this story to go yes um uh and atris is so he is so on he's like concerned about catherine but and generically like world weary from all the 
age writing he's doing or whatever. Yes. Um, but is remarkably unconcerned by the amount of family murder that he is <laughs> he has put into practice. Yes. Uh, that part does not bother him. No, not at all. But yeah, Which, um, yeah. Uh, I I don't know if I have that much else to say. Uh, this game is really good, though. I was very surprised by it because I'd always yeah. expected like my affection for Mist is so colored by my nostalgia for it as an object that I always wanted to play as a kid and couldn't, and then I did when I was a teenager. Um, I was like Riven, I've never really touched. Uh, would it hit? And yeah, it fucking hits. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. No, everything I've heard about Riven is like uh, this game. Th- basically the best adventure game ever made and uh, uh i don't know if i go that far but it's up there um and i i if, for certain types of adventure gamer i see i can see the argument and it's definitely like top tier uh yeah it is it's not it's not that that's like a widespread opinion it's just the the riven people are a minority but they're very loud about it they love that game yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh yeah absolutely back them up very cool game yeah, it's very cool um all right, uh, we have a bunch of questions, so let's get to it. Emails, yeah.
All right. If you would like to send us questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, they could be about anything, not just our game clubs. Uh, it's always uh, nice to get random game questions. Uh, I, you know, we get all, we always get one for the game. But, uh, first one's from Ancient Mecca. Uh, if we became a global phenomenon and uh, we had to make pull string dolls of us, what iconic phrases would we say? I, this is a terrible question. I don't know what I say. You, Any audience member probably knows what I say more than me. Well, Ancient Mecca suggested that I would say put a pin in that, um, which I guess I do actually say a lot. You do say that a lot. Yeah. Uh, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know what I say. Gundam I'm time. Sure People say I, I get a Gundam time. Gundam time. Absolutely Gundam time. Yep. God, I don't fucking know. I this whatever would be, be annoyingly British. Uh, yeah, no, yours would definitely one of them would definitely be you hemming as you put off answering a question. Oh god, I mean, yes, absolutely. That's just what I do. That's just my life is going. I don't fucking know. As an email tries to pin me to something. Yes. Um. Uh, Cynthia writes in. What video games would benefit from the subtitle "The Sequel to Blank," like Astral Chain, the sequel to Banana Two? That one, not that one. Not that one. That's not true. It's not true. That's impossible. That's impossible. <laughs> um, uh, all my pull string quotes are Star Wars quotes. Oh, gross. Gross. Uh, I don't know if I have a good answer to this one is the thing. Um, though it'd be really funny if it was like Link's Awakening, the, the sequel to Link's the Past. <laughs> yeah, the problem is like... what. They should they this they should have done this for um uh Chrono Cross. It should not have been a Chrono game. It should have been something the sequel to Chrono Trigger. Oh, Bloodborne, the sequel to Dark Souls. Yeah <laughs> Yes, let's go. Yeah. Sekiro, the sequel to Bloodborne. Elden yeah, Ring, wanna... the sequel to Sekiro. Elden Ring's the sequel to Dark Souls 3. Whatever, you know what I mean though. Just like whichever, I know, but... whichever one isn't in the same franchise but the one before. I understand what you're doing, but it's just Mad Libs. You're just smashing things together. It's just the no one that came logic. before it. It was not uh, itself a sequel. Um, yeah, I don't think I necessarily have anything uh, anything else that comes to mind. It's, it's like, this, this question came up a bunch of them. It's a funny thing, but I'm like, games are almost always so, like, franchise-heavy. Yes. That, um... The, the, the Witness, the sequel to Braid. <laughs> God, that would be so good. Yeah, we have one of these for, like, Breath of the Wild. There's a couple more like this. I will just say, we got this question a lot. It's good. <laughs> yeah, yes. But I don't think anyone else is going to do it as good as Riven. The, sequ the sequel to Mist. Yeah. Aiden writes in, How do you think the use of other people in Riven affects the feeling of paranoia slash being observed that saturates Mist and Riven? Uh, just confirming there could actually be a person around the corner ratchet the tension for you. I had it where it scared me a bunch to see other people, but I had a friend who thought that it like popped the bubble of thinking there could be someone around there, but to actually see someone around there. Uh, I don't understand the latter. Like you, when you walk, when you walk through the um, like you walk out the elevator and there's just like a, a kid there. That, that freaked me out. Genuinely, I found that very chilling, and I don't find like I think Mist is like tense, but I think Riven like genuinely startles me when I see people. Yeah, and there's so many situations where it's like, the game's so low resolution, because it's a 97 like CD-ROM game. Mm -hmm. 
um, but they have the confidence to like put things really far in the background. So there'll be a situation when you're clicking and then suddenly you, you're not moving. And what is there an FMV happening? Uh, and it's like you just see pixels moving in the background, and you're like, I assume that's a person, but it's so yeah. small that you can barely tell because they're like looking over you from a lookout tower yes. that's all the way across a thing. Um, uh, I think that's really effective. I think that the like use of people was just common enough to yeah. like uh overshadow um the, the entire game which is mostly just empty like we've just made some spaces yes uh, but i think it adds so much i think it's really smart i do think mist has in particular because you're going through so many spaces you don't know and you kind of only go to them once has a uh and because a lot of it's about like finding secret passages and like buttons and open drawers that are full of like you know akinar's knives or whatever it has more of a vibe of you're going through like haunted spaces i use yes. haunted like in a like a low ca like ha lowercase h term and they're just like kind of spooky and i don't feel that way about riven in the same way uh it feels very lived in um but seeing people does freak me out <laughs> yeah no absolutely um all right uh benjamin writes in uh with asking us if you have any experiences with cd-rom uh cd-roms and when they were novel um this was you know one of a lot of people's firsts uh but benjamin has SimCity enhanced edition which has voiceovers and fmv sequences in the middle of SimCity, um with your advisors chiding you and local news broadcasts and stuff like that um <laughs> just like oh my dad just purchased a pentium computer with a quad speed cd-rom and the game came with it um and uh mine so i i got a pc kind of late because my dad was like we've got we've got a commodore 64 isn't that good enough and i was like no it is not because <laughs> i didn't know how to use it so i didn't really play commodore 64 games on it um but um i remember when we got a computer i got um i got missed and muddled through it eventually um, and then i got like terrible bargain bin fmv games because the era where you could just pick this shit up for like five dollars because they the bottom had fallen out this is like 98 or so probably 99 2000 somewhere in there i was a fully a teenager at this point and so i picked up these two games uh i had to look them up because i was talking about them with someone else earlier and i never find remember the name of them it's temujin a supernatural adventure which is a 97 south peak interactive game and then dark side of the moon which is a 98 south peak interactive game which is like a murder mystery on a space station that are just I think I got both of them for $5 at like a Menards, which is a hardware store locally. They were just in a bin. Um, and they're like four discs because it's fucking impossible to put FMV on a CD. And I, they both sucked. Temujin's about like a haunted museum, I think. Real racist, like turbo racist. Um, yeah. Um, but um, the one I think of is, I think it's called Star Warped. Which is uh, which is a multimedia uh, point and click parody suite about Star Wars that came out in 1997. Ooh. So it's pre prequels. It's just about the original trilogy. This is a follow up to Pissed. Yes, which I never I'd not played Pissed at the time, so I don't really Pissed missed me. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my friends had this, and I was because like. We had computers at the school. We'd play like Oregon Trail and we'd look at like the Encyclopedia uh, Britannica CD-ROMs shit, you know, um, which had a bunch of multimedia elements. But we weren't like playing games. So my friend had like Star Wars. It's like, oh shit, this is like a real video game. It's not like a real video game, but 
it does have a bunch of goofy Star Wars shit to do. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, I'm just cause I got a computer kind of late. This mostly missed me by the time I got a computer, I'd really fallen into final fantasy. And so I was like, why am I going to play these weird FMV games? I can play final fantasy. Um, uh, cause I'm, so I'm like, I'm born in 93, right? So, uh, yeah. um, and also my parents like really don't want me playing video games too much, which, uh, they fucked up on that one. Lost that battle. Um, but it does, does mean my early years do not like, I don't get a console to 2003 when I'm 10. Mm. Um, uh, so my, my game playing is mostly other people's house, but I, I, there, we do have a PC in there. Let me get that in like 2002, 2001, 2002, uh, somewhere in there. Uh, and that's like my first DVD PC and I'm playing like Lego Island 2 on there. So that's, that's like also fairly late. Um, but before that we had uh, just a old PC. It was Windows 95 and 98. I don't remember. Uh, and I had like a Land Before Time CD game that had like a few... It was probably an educational type thing. I had like a matching yeah. game and stuff. Uh, played that and like because my access was so limited, I just played a bunch of like. If I was at someone's house, I would see whatever CD ROM thing they had, and it all felt like magic to me because mm. I wasn't like allowed that at home. Yeah, uh, I remember playing um oh some stuff. What it was like Star Trek Bridge Creator. Like you, it was just a database of star trek characters and you would build out your bridge team and oh, i guess weird. you could do missions one of my friends had uh the interactive star trek encyclopedia which lets you like walk around the enterprise d and look at stuff and that was always remarkable to me um i can't find because i'm trying to look this up because uh obviously the star trek bridge commander which is the actual 3d video game from from later that is uh similar but it is not um I I I I can't find it, uh, but it was just um it was like this, mm-hmm. uh, Starship Creator I think okay, uh, possibly um I don't I don't remember yeah I played messing with stuff like that uh, is my memory yeah um I played like SimCity uh, two thousand I think also played three thousand but that's probably a DVD game. Um, so it all blurs together for me because it was often at other people's houses and I didn't really have much access. Yeah. Uh, so games were kind of just a thing I knew I liked but didn't have access to till I was uh, uh, 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, yeah, so that, that, that's my, my experience, I guess. Uh, Hilfer writes in, with the conclusion of the year of handheld, to what extent have indie slash itch games filled the gap left by dedicated handheld games? I think that um, I would say those are not the same thing. I think that's like rude to both sides of the equation to equate them together just because they're smaller. Um, Some some indie developers are building games that would be on a handheld, but usually that stuff is much like the handheld versions, like riffing on arcade stuff to me. That's the stuff that I'm like, oh, there's crossover there. But both sides are just making modern arcade games in that case um, is usually when I get that feeling. but the stuff that specifically I think of like handheld games, like I think of like uh, like Feel the Magic or um, you're like Medioses of the world. Those are well filled. Like indie games are making all sorts of good puzzle games all the time. But like stuff like Feel the Magic or uh, Nintendogs is like just like you're just not seeing the experimentation happen in the same way um, in so robust of a way. There's plenty of experimentation happening in indie games. You're not getting a full-on dog-raising suite like Nintendogs, which is not a very good game, but, I, you know, it's an iconic Nintendo game of the era. Um, no I one's mean, making like, Rhythm Heavens, you know? On some level, we're not talking about handheld games on this question, I guess. 
because while I do agree that none of that is specific to how, like what we're talking about is like the money in the industry changed that we don't get like big budget Japanese companies funneling money to teams doing crazy shit. That's what you're talking about. That just doesn't exist anymore. I guess that's, that's true. Yes. Uh, and that was happening on consoles, but like mostly shifted, like it was on consoles on PlayStation. And then when consoles got more expensive, it went to handhelds. And then when that got more expensive, it went away uh, yes. is kind of the like order of things there because like, we're we're also not getting PS2 games aren't being made anymore, right? Like it, it's it's handheld games are, have gone away in a much more obvious way because they don't make handhelds anymore in the same way. Mm. Um, but there's plenty of errors of game design that like have disappeared because time moves on. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a unique uh, to handheld thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have like a thesis beyond that other than it's messy and. Um, the economics keep driving things worse. Uh. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Flower writes in, rank the following console models aesthetics for design from bad to rad. This is specifically for all the PlayStations. I'm adding the PSP and Vita on here. Okay, here we go. So like PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, PSP, it's, Vita? It's, it, so the list is PlayStation, PS1, which is the small version, um, PS2, PS2 Slim, PS3, oh. PS3 Slim, PS3 Super Slim, PS4, PS4 Slim, PS5. I'm adding a Vita and a PSP. Just the original versions of both. The PSP goes very different. But okay, I we're going to just do this in like the old... We're going to go in order. PlayStation. That's number one. The PS1, is it better or worse than the PlayStation? It's worse, right? I think it's worse. I have real affection for the PS1. Because by the because like by the time I'm noticing like what a video toy. game is, that's that is mostly the PlayStation that I see. I th- when I think of the PlayStation, I think of the PS1, the weird like rounded one. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. It is Absolutely. it is worse. Like it is worse. I do like the bulky PlayStation, but I, I have affection for the PS1. Um, you can let me put it under PlayStation though? Yeah, yeah, for now, but like right. we'll see how it goes. PlayStation 2. That's under the PS1. It's a big boxy mess. I hate the P- the original PS2. I, 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 great games in it. I, I do not love the aesthetic of that thing. I will accept that. Uh, PS2 Slim. Um, I would say above the uh, uh, PS2. Wait, below the PlayStation. Below the P- below the PS1. Um, okay. mm, mm, maybe above the. It, it's up. You know, it might be above the PS1, but it's around there. Uh, I'm gonna put it above. I, okay. I have affection for the slim. Um, the slim, I really like this. It's it's much better than the base one. I just it's it's a better console. The PlayStation Three original. Oh, big bloated football, super glossy. I think this is below the PS Two, but above the PS One. Um, wait, what? I think this is above the PS One, below the PS Two. Wait. Because right now our list is PS2 Slim at the top, then PS1, then PlayStation, then PS2, then PS1. No, 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 no. PlayStation, you know, I guess you're right. Then, sure, yes, I'll put it in there, yes, below the, um... Yes. Uh, PlayStation 3 Slim. Um, I just, it's not as good as the massive PS3 with the the shiny finish. (laughs) I think the PS3 Slim is the best PS3. Um... Yeah, I, would I guess this, would I would put that. this below the PS2 Slim, but above the PlayStation. Sure, but Super Slim bottom. I've only ever owned this because it was new it, when I bought a PS3 in 2013. No, 2014. Um, this is the this is the biggest piece of shit Sony's ever produced. 
let me tell you this <laughs> as a proud owner of this thing what a piece of garbage it it spin i know it's this is aesthetics but it's you hear this console spinning the disc so loudly like it's in a fucking top-loaded yeah. cd player yeah, like the techmon would complain about garbage yeah. um at this point we're going to take a, a brief detour uh the psp at the top right uh yeah the, the playstation portable it looks like the future the vita where's the vita go below the ps2 slim okay i like that all right playstation 4 original oh i guess it's better than like the brick ps2 i do like the like the double the double layer um mm. but it's not it's not great this is why they all could become like fairly normal and nondescript all right, and then PS4 Slim. Uh, just one under the PS4. I don't. I prefer the hard edges, but otherwise it's fairly similar, you know. I would put it above the PS4, but below the PlayStation. I actually kind of like the like matte finish on it. Oh, I like the um half gloss. Yeah, I like the half. I like the half and half on the top. Okay, uh, I, I quite we're gonna put them one. about equal. Let's say. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then PlayStation Five. Uh, fucking below the dirt. No, no, it's fine. I think I would put it below the PS2, but above the PS3 base. I think it's at the bottom of this fucking list because you can't fit it in your TV. I don't, I don't. I was never going to fit it in my TV anyway. So I just, I just, it, it doesn't function as a thing that you buy to play video games on. Um. Okay. Um, so I'll mark it one down. It's below the PS3 base then. <laughs> Fine. If you want to argue for like, I understand how like in screenshots or just look at like you know what a inviting design i think it's a I'm, fucking I'm, as disaster. i'm slowly covering the panels and stickers i'm like man this thing's pretty cool i, I do enjoy it well it's because you've got it stuck up outside on like a platform i do yeah, I do, yeah. Uh, i've got it under my tv like a normal human where they keep no, their I've, consoles I've both consoles vertical on a shelf next to my television it, it like it barely fits in there uh i'm sure it's not great for the heat yeah um I think that they just gave up when designing that thing. So our list from the bottom, PS3 Super Slim, worse, dog shit. Then the PS1. Uh, (laughs) Sure. Then the PlayStation 5. PS1's better than the PlayStation 5. No, it's not. Then the PS3 base. Yes, it is. Then the PS3 base. Um, Then the PlayStation 2. Then roughly around the same as the PS4 Slim and the PS4. Uh, we'd go either way. I prefer the Slim. Jax prefers the, the original. Um, like then really... the PlayStation. Sony PlayStation. Maybe you heard of it. Iconic. Yep. Honestly, the most iconic one here other than the PSP. But um, it is kind of a piece of shit as like hardware. Um, <laughs> yeah. A PS3 Slim. Uh, the, the middle one. Um, still a football, but not glossy. Um, the Vita. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, the PS2 Slim. Uh, everyone's console of choice for PS2, basically, at this point. Um unless you need a hard drive or something but god knows why um and then the playstation portable the most iconic sony platform of all time i want to go back to 2003 get me a playstation portable i have a psp I'm... i want to i want to hear the play online music again we have to go back yeah all right uh daniel writes in riven's easily one of my favorite games of all time uh people tend to talk about it as being way too difficult to solve um but, but this is about the mega puzzle structure um 
What'd you think about the difficulty? Uh, it's fun. I get why people say it's the hardest one. I'm interested because people say Exile is the easiest one. And I'm very curious what the self-correction looks like. And that's not really made by uh, the Millers. That's made by Ubisoft. <laughs> no, I don't think um, the Millers... I know, I know like five is eventually... Because yes. Siam make Uru after this, which yes. is so funny. I'm so curious about it. I'm so curious about like, what do the people who just made Mist and Riven think an MMO is? Like, what are they trying to to do? Because they're not trying to make an MMO, right? They're not trying. There's not going to be levels in it. Yeah. I like because I understand. Because on paper, I guess I get the pitch, which is like, Mist is a very communal game. Uh, it was played by people sitting like huddling around a monitor. It becomes a water cooler thing, right? Like, oh, did you find this in there? Oh no, I, you know, and you want to try to build that into the actual objects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand. I completely get it as an intent, but I don't get it. I have no like. Until I have seen it myself, I am not able to conceptualize what the object is. Uh, how they would go about designing that. I'm fascinated about Uru. Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'm really curious about Exile, just because I know it's, it's considered the easiest one. Um, we're probably going to... We're not going to play for a club, but we probably will play. We're, we've been talking about playing it together, just like at the same time. Like, we do the crossword, and that should be fun. Yeah, because I, I was going through the mess, getting stuck a bunch. And I was like, we should have just done this on, on a Skype call, like yeah. trading trading notes back and forth. I assume uh, X will be much easier to do that with. Yeah. Adam writes in, given the recent announcement of a sunny produced Gravity Rush movie, uh, this is a parenthetical for me. That movie's never coming out. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out alongside like the Bully movie, the, yeah. the that Gore Vinci Bioshock movie. Uh, the question, I would say however, the Uncharted movie, but that one somehow limped over the, the finish line. The question, however, is what other unceremoniously murdered video game IPs should be resurrected as film franchises? Uh, F-Zero. Have to be... <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't really murdered. They haven't made any more. Just kind of left. Gravity Rush left, left to die in a gutter. Just kind of forgotten. Um, oh. What? I genuinely think of F Zero like you know Speed Race is good. What if they made more but it was F Zero themed? Make a Professor Layton movie. Oh yeah, they did make one of those. Just make a live action. Uh, America who, should make a live action. Who's <laughs> Professor Layton in the Hollywood Professor Layton? In the Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> all right. That is a great question. Which British guy do you get for that? You get Chris Pine doing a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Is he is he young? Is he like hot young professor? Or is he like old? No, I mean, you get Chris Pine five years no, from no, now. No, no, no. I mean, it not if you're not getting Chris Pine, like, what are you casting? Are you casting like the... Is is, is Professor Layton the lead or is like Luke the lead and Professor Layton's an old guy? This is my oh question. my God, the Luke movie with like Luke's a teen and yeah. Layton's like the stuffy guy he's got to go behind yeah. the back of? Yes. These are these are these all work. I feel like this Luke one is moving very close. To like, and then the Luke's got a brother. <laughs> <laughs> I think the I think the Professor Layton's old one is probably Jeremy Irons. Shit! Oh, yeah. He's like he's like he's like bordering on too old at this point, but I think he'd be a good pick. He is bordering on too old, but that would be good. Um, and then the young Layton. That one's uh, that one's tricky. Because there's no movie stars in their mid thirties. Yeah, it's like damn. And if they are, they're all like people I fucking hate. <laughs> right. Uh, you can you can cast some people like from the nineties in their how they were in the nineties in this, I guess. 
Yes. Um. Yeah, that one's hard. I, I, that one I don't know if I could figure it out. I, I What's John Boyega who... doing? Get him. He could be impressed with me. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I feel like that's a bit rude. <laughs> Why? Uh, I, I don't know. He's John British. Boyega. He's cool. <laughs> John Boyega comes He's the right this, age this... for young Leighton. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I feel like after the mistreatment of Star Wars, being like, jump here, go oh, now. Right. <laughs> now what we're going to ask you to do is to be our, like, black version of the stuffy Victorian steampunk white guy. You know what? <laughs> you, make a, you make a valid argument, but I, I, I you know, if we, if we discount the racism of video gamers, <laughs> <laughs> I think John Boyega would be a fucking cool Professor Layton. Um, yeah, I'm abs- absolutely... Um, ah, uh, God. <laughs> He's the only actor in his 30s I could think of that I like. So, is he studies? He's he's 30 years old. Yes, I guess. I guess, Matt. Yes, I guess he is. Oh no, he's a year older than me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, because yeah, because um, attack the block comes out when I'm he's. Man, oh, time's happening to me. Don't worry about it. He's a baby in Attack the Block, is the thing. Uh, yeah, but like I'm 17 when Attack the Block comes out, right? Like yeah, you're also a baby. I'm also a baby. It's just been just times happened. I'm not young anymore. Uh, ben writes in. I uh, fond memories of exploring Mist and Riven growing up, but never got very far before getting stuck. Really satisfying to revisit this. Are there any games you never finished growing up that you'd like to revisit and complete now? Oh, that's what um, Emerald Mapping was for, for me. I was gonna say, I feel, like, I feel like I've we've 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 ticked a few of those off. Riven's um, one of those. I don't. I just don't. Like I said, because I got the game console so late, yeah. and because it was a fucking Xbox, uh, yeah. I mostly have stuff I didn't play. Not really yeah. stuff like this. I, I guess you could say I never finished uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast because I couldn't. What about, figure uh, out what about the... Bayonetta Two? Oh, piss off! <laughs> you gotta wait for me to get back the results of this um this test before you can start uh do Bayonetta joke again. Um the the one that I think of as like game the two, but we're not we're never clubbing either of them is Final Fantasy Tactics and Chrono Cross. I club Final Fantasy Tactics. I know you would. I've I've I need someone to come live with me for three weeks and play Tactics with me before I'm going to play Tactics. Uh, I need a tactics okay. expert to be my live-in tactics wingman as we play tactics together. A tactics ogre. If, if you're, you're we have, a, I have a cot. If you're willing to live on a cot for three weeks and eat my cooking, um, you and walk me through Final Fantasy Tactics, come down. Ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> thing to say on a podcast. It's <laughs> not a real. This is not a real uh, offer, but I mean, it's not not a real offer. It's the right person. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. The thing that happened is all the games that I like never finished a kid, like Zelda Two and Castlevania. When I in as like a teen and twenty something, when I just had emulators, I just went and finished them all. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't really have as many of these anymore. Um, what's your uh, Alex writes in? What's your favorite lavish animation of a door opening in Riven? I enjoy the one going into the water tank where all the bolts pop out around the edges. That one's really good. Uh, it's bringing the elevator back up through the red water. Oh, that one's sick. The 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 original when you summon the golden elevator out of the red water, that one is like the fucking coolest thing that's ever happened. That one was really confusing for me because because I 
because I came through that door first, like I went up the red elevator before I before I went like down it. Yeah. So I, I originally I thought, oh, I'm in the wrong room. There's no elevator here. I must be looking like I got re- I got really turned around then because <laughs> uh, I didn't realize there was a lever on the left side. Um, if you want to trap the other one of you in a prison book, how would you write it? Does, does writing it make a difference? What do you mean? How would I the write questions it? Questions like, oh, you, well, you got to what's your what's your swooping intro way uh, dot wav to tempt them in? Um, do you laugh and throw the book into a void? Do you burn it? Whatever. Um, I don't think I have to do shit. I think I give you a book. Uh, I think eventually you touch it. I think, I, was, I think, <laughs> I I think regardless I need... of what the video sees, the minute I'm like, oh, a linking book, I probably, I probably, <laughs> I'm, I I'm very done this way. I don't think I need to put extra effort. I have, I have a make... deleterious amount of curiosity about things sometimes. In fact, I think the less I put on the book, the more likely it is to trap me. If you I just open just... it up and it's like a swoop over like some mountains, I'm like, yeah, sure, let's fucking go. Uh and uh yeah also if i did this i would not be like atris i would i would have to i'd probably burn the book and then like you know go mad from guilt because i didn't kill you i just locked you in an in an empty room for eternity (laughs) i um i would make a book that just has an infinite library of stuff in it and then give it to you and be like go if you if you touch this book i'll just keep you on my shelf you'd hit the button i'd probably hit the button (laughs) because then you could just do everything forever can I come out? Um, it's a prison like, book, so no. No, no, but like, would you theoretically be able to let me out? Yeah, if I don't burn it, there. Yeah, I could probably let you out. But like, I'm saying, would you have a condition? Like, would like I understand that I can't get out of the book, but I can no. theoretically. If you don't burn the book, I could theoretically talk to you. Yeah, I guess like I could put in my will that when I die, someone will let you out if you want out. I sh- I'm like, are you giving me a condition in that? Are you putting me in the book for a purpose? No, no, no. Like- I'm just, I'm just giving you an infinite. You could just finally, you can play everything you- and watch everything you want to do. Yeah, I know. But are you like fucking? I'll let you out. And you play with Jorah's mask. <laughs> no, I th- I'm just, I'm just like. Here's how I trap you in it. You can go in there, and time will stand still, and you can do anything you want. Okay, sure. Uh, time does not stand still in linking books. I want. That's, that's yeah. not. That's not how well, this Actually, I feel like the implication is time can be kind of a little timey wimey in different books. I would Maybe never say that in my life because I hate. You know what I mean, though. <laughs> yes, yes. Time can move at different rates. Absolutely. Yeah. So in that one, time is still. Other than you can like do you do stuff, but like you could be in there for thousands of years and never age. Uh, then I would just want to be in the book. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly right. This is what I'm gonna. I'm gonna write the book where you just get to stay in the infinite library forever. And you'll just go in. I don't have to. I won't have to trick you at all. <laughs> I, I would like some connection to the outside world, but like. Someone's taught this enough, I guess. Yeah, okay. I just want to be kept. I just want to be kept up. Like I just want to be able to still continue observing history. <laughs> okay. This is the part of being immortal. I guess this is the more being immortal question. I don't need to necessarily affect things, but I do want to see what happens to like the world. Yeah, fair enough. I can just write more chapters, and then a shipment of newspapers dropped in. <laughs> Uh, and then another question: Have you played No One Lives Forever? No, I've not. No, because you can't run it on anything. I'm sure you can, but like it's a famously finicky game, right? That's a that's a weird bum. I have. Is I that have a not, PS2 uh, game or is it a PC game? It's a PC game. I mean, I'm sure it's on PS2, but that's a PC game. Okay. 
Um, Rick writes in, how close have you come to ruining a game save? When I first played Final, when I first played Final Fantasy VII, I did the snowboarding scene and saved at the save point of the mountain before the Hydra. And it was then I realized how few healing items I had. I fought that boss like 15 times before it attacked the right person enough that Cloud was able to beat it. Um, I mean, I have I've corrupted a Pokemon save before by doing missing no the the Rui you're not supposed to. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> um, I was a kid. It's fine. It's not a big deal. I I've done this uh, a lot, but like it was mostly in Halo, um, mm. like, like checkpoint based games where you can get a checkpoint triggering that will always like lead you to death. Like you know when Halo triggers a checkpoint, but you can't avoid the thing that's killing you. Uh, stuff like that. That's happened to me a lot. Um, I can't think of like a RPG or like I can't think of a time I've done this on a 15 hour game right yeah um, when I think of I doing this I actually think of like accidentally hitting the quick save at the wrong time playing an old game and then like oh I gotta take the L and start the level over you know yeah like that happens regularly yeah that's that's what I mean yeah yeah um alright uh anonymous says uh, with you choosing to play Riven the sequel to Mist and the recent announcement that Lords of the Fallen 2 is titled The Lords of the Fallen, uh, what are your favorite examples of non-standard sequel names? Personal highlight for me will always be Final Fantasy X-2 and Final Fantasy XIII-2. Both some peaks, Square Enix silliness. I think it's stupid that they called it Lightning Returns and not Final Fantasy XIII-3. I agree. But also, that's why that's the one people remember, which is a shame for XIII-2, which is a very good game. Uh, I feel like I hear both of those talked about equally now. I understand at the time. Now, so yes, at the time it was not the, that was not the case. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, mm, mm-hmm. try and think of sequels that are not just fucking the name of the. I like Sonic and Knuckles. Um, which is not technically. I know. I understand. It's not technically like a. It's a good name though. Sonic and Knuckles. Sonic and Knuckles is a good good name. Um, I'm going down my mental list of like like, hmm. Most of them are like Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. It has a two right in it, but I do think it's a good title. I mean, it, it is become cooler by the other games never having a number. Yes. Like Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. Also, the title is The Adventure of Link and yes. not whatever nonsense Zelda titles they don't like. The more abstract, like The Thing of the Thing. Um, yes. Uh, which is literally Castlevania 2 Castle's Quest. Uh, Simon's Quest also just did the same thing. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm pulling up a blank, even though I'm not, I know I have I should have an answer for this. I don't have an um, Akamaju Dracula to Akamaju Densetsu. That's a fucking cool. That title one's cool. Change. That it's one's not cool. reflected in the English at all, but it is sick. <laughs> That's just unarguably a cool shift. Yes. Um, but that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Then our final one uh, from six. They just announced a ton of shit for Destiny. At what point in the Destiny process did you realize you were beyond caring? For me, it was Destiny 2 launch. When was Destiny announced? That's the answer. <laughs> Destiny was announced in 2009. Oh, I definitely didn't care then. I wasn't even aware of it at that point. I've never cared about Destiny. I briefly Destiny. was like, what if I played Destiny 2? And then what I did was play Halo with you instead. And now I don't want to play Destiny again ever. So It was Destiny like teasers in ODST, which came out in 2009. And then I think like the reveal reveal was slightly later. Because um, I remember the Destiny like 
hype cycle of the, everyone knows coming and was like what's it going to be they keep making Halo games even though Destiny's been working on forever it's going to be so crazy and then it came out and it was fucking Halo with some loot and everyone was like what is this uh, somehow was able to keep going um, yeah I mean mine was definitely um, Destiny 2's uh, launch as well uh, the, re- the real hard break was when they started just like removing the video game um yeah fair enough uh because i like i liked it i i really liked the taken king that was when i mostly enjoyed the the destiny i played um but there was always a low uh just ambient potential of me loading up destiny exists in the world if destiny is like 14 that you can just play through the destiny campaigns in order yeah yeah uh the second they take that away and it just becomes a nebulous life service thing, there is no longer a threat even ambiently of me ever loading up. Yeah, I, I played like six hours of Destiny 2 and I didn't understand how any how to progress in any direction. It, like, I just kind of muddled my way through some stuff um, because there's just there was just too much information. So, um, and I, I don't really play that style of game anyway, so I just had a really hard time. So there's zero chance of me playing Destiny. Destiny 3 is, does not have like video, does not have like levels. It has content, right? And yeah. it has, hey, what do I do? I do this, I engage with yeah. content. I was like, things. I was like, where's the main story quest? And I couldn't figure it out. No, you, you have lots of content options, but you're like, what, okay, well, where's the, where's the video game? Where do I yeah. play level one and then level yeah. two? When I, when I played 14, I knew where to go. I go to the main sto- next main story quest. Do it. <laughs> really straightforward. Yes. Um, anyway, that's it for questions. Uh, if you'd like to send questions again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's it. Next month, we are continuing to not play games that you can't play on a keyboard. So we're playing Ib, the uh, Corey-developed RPG Maker game uh, for Windows. Uh, we are going to be playing the remake that came out. Uh, when was that? Soon, last recent. year, I think. 2021. Last year. Yeah. Um, you get that on Steam. You can get the original still. I don't think there's that much. Do- yeah, English localization was released on oh, May of 2022. This is really recent. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, so um, the, the original has been out forever. You can get a hold of that. I think that's free. So you just download that. Um, but we're playing the remake. I don't think, I think there's like slightly new content and the ability to zoom in on the graphics because it's a lot of like looking at stuff, um, I think. So uh that's it um i know it's kind of horry but i don't think it, i think it's mostly just like creepy exploration i don't think there's any like monsters and stuff so if i'm wrong we'll find out and have to talk about it but well yeah i'll be like god damn it yeah um so that'll be fun uh i've just you know i want to branch out um yumi nikki would not make a good episode of this podcast though jackson if you want to check out yumi nikki it might not be a bad time to do it <laughs> okay <laughs> poke at that a little look at a video on what that is because uh you don't want to go through all of them, Nikki. It's it's it takes a long time for what it is. Um, uh, okay, I, I, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, five hours. Okay, sure. Yeah, but it's like a lot of like just a, walking through spaces and oh, I found a thing to interact with. Um, but it is cool. Uh, that is like the ground zero of this style of RPG maker game. As far as I yeah, know. it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because I, I I like I know the space is huge, but I have not really engaged with it much. So yeah, I played Nima Nikki last last year. Maybe it was early this year. Fucking love that game. It's really cool. Um, I think that was last year. Um, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get everything now. I see it all. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, plugs, Jackson. Uh, yeah, you can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. 
And you can check out all the podcasts I do with them at anormapping.com. Bunch of cool shows there. Go listen to them. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normalmapping. You should just pay $10 if you really like this show to get uh, Void Life, where we often talk about shit like the politics of Pokemon with special guests. We had Dia on recently, um, talk about just being an old gamer. Uh, we had our friend Santo on, um, who's a game designer. That's where we talked about Pokemon and uh, <laughs> and Spanish language anime. It was a good episode. I really had a good time with that. Um, if you want to know, if you want Jackson to tell me the plot of Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, that will happen very soon. And that's on Vogue Life. Yep. Um, once again, this month, we have a bunch of game clubs. Uh, literally in a couple days, probably, will be the uh, journal updated, which I was on about Hypnospace Outlaw. That's really good. Um, we There was recently a safe room, uh, which covered, uh, what is the name of that game? Do you remember off the top of your head? I do not. Um, no. It's uh... that Wii game. I know they were playing something cool. I mean, let me go check. It's like dreams, something. Uh, I listen to the fragile episode. dreams. Fragile Farewell dreams. ruins of the moon. Yes. And then they're playing Silent Hill three coming up. Um, we have fate moon archive, which is a uh, tight moon playthrough podcast there. They just finished them with blade works. They're working on fate. Stay night. Um, and uh, novel not new is leaving the network, but uh, they just put out an episode on uh Huck- what is it? Hakuoki Edo Blossoms, I think is the name of that game. Um, and then we're going to be doing Tsukihime over on Scanline Media. Please check that out. Lots of game clubs. You want to listen to people talk about video games, maybe play along. There's a lot of options available for you. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. That's how word of mouth, you know, word of mouth is how we get this going. Um, retweet the plug. I'd love that. Love if people retweet the plugs. Um, let us know what you thought. You can go to the Discord. You can send emails. Um, Discord's usually bumping on game club days. Love that. Um, and thank you so much. We will be back next month with more video games.